This is Behold, a VBC podcast. Our goal is to examine biblical truth that will better equip you to behold the glory of the Lord more fully in your daily life. I'm Sean Helch, and I'm joined by Dan Gillette and Jason Moog. Each of us serve in different roles as pastors at Valley Bible Church. And without further ado, here is the Behold podcast. Hey guys, welcome to Behold. Uh, We are grateful that you are choosing to spend this time to listen and share some of these thoughts alongside us. So yeah, thanks for joining us. I am here. This is Sean with Dan and the illustrious Jason Moog. Say hi. Hello. What's up, everybody? It's going to be a fun podcast today. So on Sunday, we uh, talked because it was Father's Day, a lot about dads and about fathers and God as our father and people in our lives who have been father figures. And before we get going, I would just like to affirm both of you, Dan and Jason, because you're both dads, you're fathers. And I just want to tell you to your faces through the Zoom screen and affirm you to the people who are listening that I've witnessed both of you father, I've witnessed both of you uh, teach truth to your children, and you guys are killing it. So keep it up, guys. Aw. Mm. Thanks, yeah. man. It's it's uh it's it's fun that uh our kids get to be involved with the Helches. And uh I also just wanna infer- affirm you as a cat dad. You can call me cat daddy. <laughs> you you have you have the coolest cat in the history of cats. And there may be some some beholders out there who might try to challenge the illustrious olive, but uh I, I I feel like she is a reflection of of you and Patty and being, how wonderful you are. Being parented. You're too kind. That's um, right. I mean, we really should spend the whole podcast talking about that because Olive is truly special. Anyways, you guys are great dads. Keep it up and keep being great examples to men like myself. Thanks, dude. Yeah, of course. And And Dan, why don't you take people through what we've been going through for the last couple of weeks as a staff at Valley Bible Church? Yeah, so we're reading this this book called Delighting in the Trinity, and we just started. It's the summer book that we're going through in our staff meetings on Monday morning, Monday mornings, and we just finished reading about how the the Trinity really is the the, the, the doctrine of the Trinity that God exists um, in in these three equal parts, and that that the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are um, deeply personal and that they have existed eternally. Um, you can go back to any point in history and they were uh, th- together existing as one. And um, so we're, we're, we're getting into this book and, and it's, and we just read a section about, about the father. And I thought it'd be good just in light of what we talked about on Sunday and in light of um just Father's Day and our celebration of fathers, it'd be great to, to read this. And this is from the section uh, in, in the book that, that just talks about God first and foremost being a father. So um, just listen to this and maybe we can talk about it a little bit. So it says to be the father means to love, to give out, to beget the son before anything else for all eternity this God was loving and giving life to and delighting in his son. And so just that, that section, he goes on to talk about how the, the, the father's heart is seen in the, 
how he relates to the son in, in the, in the context of the Trinity that he finds his, that his identity is in fatherhood in loving and giving out life to his son. And when we, the things that we affirm and see in, in fathers, the things that reflect God's nature um, are just beautiful pictures of that. When we see our, our fathers treating us in a loving way um, with, with graciousness and compassion. And um, when we see them uh, just being motivated by their, their love and relationship towards us, it's a picture of, of who God is. And so, yeah, I just thought that would be a cool thing to, to maybe discuss a little bit. And I know we even talked about on Sunday how not all of us have an experience of in our earthly father, in our relationship with our earthly father that reflects this identity that God has of, of loving and giving life. So yeah, I thought it'd be cool to, to just maybe talk about that a little bit. What are you guys, what are some thoughts? Hmm. One of the things I love about, uh, that I think I mentioned at staff meeting, but we didn't hear in the podcast here, is just the idea that God in, in Romans 1 reveals himself, is everybody has access to, to God God's revelation, and that's in Romans 1, it's through creation, right? And what he reve- what we primarily see in that, though, is more God creator, God almighty, God power, there's something bigger outside of ourselves, there's a sense of awe, and, um, and, and you, but you don't get the, the God the Father through that. Right, that's got to be come through special revelation through primarily Christ, right? Through the prophets first, and then Christ, and then, and so I just think that that is we miss out on that if you don't if you don't trust in the the or hear the testimonies of people who have experienced the the, the reliability of Scripture showing him as Father, right? And I just love the fact that that's almost in some ways hidden. I guess you could we did say in staff meeting that. You know, you can see a, some kind of paternal fatherly experience in as you watch creatures in nature, but the concept of love on a, on a human level you won't really get unless it's revealed through a picture of the son being sent and then the son and the father's relationship. And I just think that makes it so special that the more that God that that's got a, that's part of God's special revelation to reveal to us what is it like to be uh, receive Him as Father. Yeah, because yeah, because the book talks about obviously God is creator and He is ruler, but He's first and foremost Father. Yeah, and if we see if we see the um the, those truths of Him as as a ruler and as a creator through the lens of Him being a Father, it really is a is a is a better starting point. It, it helps us understand really His His love that that He gives out life that He wants us to experience that that love. At, as a father does, as a right. son does with the father. So yeah. I thought that would be a cool, cool place to start, you know, as we're kind of debriefing what happened on Sunday. It's great. It is great. And I was just thinking about, um, for those people who don't have the most uh, healthy example of fatherhood in their lives, because I've definitely spoken to people who are a bit jaded on the idea of God as father because of that. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they really associate their own experience with, oh, well, the Bible said God's a dad and my dad was terrible, so God must be terrible. But, I mean, really the reality is that we're in a broken world full of, you know, each of us are all sinners. And there's plenty of examples like that where God intends for something, a covenant, a relationship, uh, something to be a certain way, and we fall short. And we know that. You mm-hmm. know, for example, marriage is, is a great is a great thing to look at, too, because... 
God intended for marriage to be this covenant and this depiction of his love for us, of Jesus's love for us. And people should be able to look at a Christian marriage and understand his love better. Right. Mm -hmm. But we all know that a lot of marriages aren't that way. And so by that same thinking, like it wouldn't really make sense for us to look at an unhealthy marriage and say, you know what? God's picture for marriage must not be right because of that. Mm. But no, just like you're saying, kind of that, that trusting process of really what God's intentions are and what he tells us they are versus our experience, I think is so important. And you know, Sean, that's, uh, to piggyback that, that you're bringing up a concept that I think is really important, that you, a practice that you're doing without, you didn't even say it, um, you didn't identify the practice, but you're literally doing it. It's what definition are we coming to, uh, coming at these words with? So every a lot of times when we find that a word in the Bible that rubs us wrong, it almost, uh, my experience in meeting with people now and reading lots of stuff on, you know, everybody's... Uh, I try to avoid them, but mean comments on the on the internet about their thoughts on things. Usually, it's because you're approaching something in the Bible, a word. This word today is father, where you're you're like, I see the English word, and then now I have my definition already. So that's what God must mean when He says that word or any other word: love, trust, obey. And I think um, I don't know if there's this is a, a accurate stat. Not, I'm just gonna say nine times out of ten, just <laughs> most often. What is happening is you've applied a definition to that word that you already have, and that is not the definition that God means. Mm. And so, so often we're having to go, I need to stop, we need to stop and say, God's using this word. I think it means this in 2020 in my English language, but he, I want to understand from the Bible, is he means something different, and almost always he is, whether it's love, trust, obey, God, Father, whatever. And so that's, we need to not lay our own definitions on the Bible first. And so that's, mm. I mean, literally that's what you're just doing. And I think that's so important. Yeah. And maybe it's a, a practical throwback to Romans 12, just that process of renewing your mind mm-hmm. in truth. And maybe you need to take a second. Like if you're someone who struggles with Father's Day because of that, maybe spend some time in prayer and renew your mind on what God says about fatherhood versus what your worldly experience has been Absolutely. Uh, thus far. That's good. Essentially, you need to check yourself before you wreck yourself. <laughs> That's what I say in my counseling session. That's from the Bible, Check right? Yourself. But no, I really do. I think a lot of times when you stop and say, oh, oh yeah, so it sounds like you're talking about love this way. Can we? Can I show you kind of what he means by it? And then we look at the scripture and I'm like, this is what God is defining in this passage, love to be or trust or marriage or whatever. And I think a lot of times people's response, if I could say it, is more like, oh, oh, it's like this like revelation. Oh, I didn't, I thought he was saying this, this, and this. Well, that means, that means, makes that whole thing different now. So, yeah, it's important. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. Thank you, Jay. So I think that we're all a little bit guilty of this sometimes, of this mentality, at least here in the Bay Area and Western culture of we go to church on Sundays, we hear teaching, and maybe we're even like powerfully impacted by that teaching. Uh, but then Monday afternoon, we forget all about it. And we don't we do not do anything with it. We, we don't become doers of the word of, of, of those scriptures. And so... We thought it would be a good use of our time, and we did this last time when we had Mother's Day, but we thought it would be a good use of time if on the podcast, the three of us together went through the action steps that were given to us on Sunday morning from you, Jason. Yep. So we're going to do that on the podcast, and there are five action steps, so we'll read each one as we go, and then to the best of our ability uh, in this context, we're just going to do it together. Great. Dan, why don't you start us off? Yeah, so the first one says, make a list of father figures who have influenced you toward Christ-like character and living, and then send one of them a thank you note, a text, or email, or make a podcast about them. 
Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Shout out on the podcast. <laughs> exactly. Did exactly. you guys do it? Uh, I, I did mine and I didn't. Did you, did you like how I didn't read them all? I stayed, no, I stayed strong. I appreciate that. I know I could feel that you were tempted that you so wanted hard. to you wanted to read the name. I still slipped in Charlie. That's okay. I thought that was I thought that was really really beautiful. No, I need to I need to become a better note writer. I for some reason it whenever I I have to write a thank you note or something it's just like this big looming thing in my mind and I just mm. need to get over it and just do it. So it'd be good discipline for me to practice, but but I I I kind of want to cheat a little bit and Two, two of the the dads that shared are uh, two guys that are part of our Valley Bible Worship uh, community, our team, our family, Gary and Colin. And those guys have been just incredible father figures to me. Mm. They've been with me from from the very beginning of of taking on this role. And it was it was cool to to hear their hearts and just to to listen to their wisdom and and how they're processing this stuff. And you know. I, uh, I've benefited over the years from, from their leadership, just their humility, their faithfulness, watching them serve and really just put the need, uh, the needs of others ahead of their own and Mm -hmm. really just the needs of our church ahead of their own. And those, those are some real, just faithful, solid dudes that have Mm -hmm. been, that I've looked up to for a lot of years. And really, I'm really sad about Colin. I, um, I know a lot of you guys know that he and his family are moving to the East Coast this week. And he, uh, along with Cindy White, are the longest tenured members of the team. And, man, I'm, it's breaking my heart to see him go. But um, I'm, I'm praying that God will use him out there uh, in Pennsylvania, just like he has here in similar ways. So, yeah, so those are two guys that I would have just said anyway. Right. But, but they ended up being on the, uh, you know, in, in the service. So service. it's kind of like cheating, but it's not cheating. No. Okay, good. And they did great. Let's affirm them now. I mean, they did so good, right? So clear. Yeah. I love hearing from the men how they're processing stuff, and yeah, hit on different things. So, yeah. For sure. Yeah. For me, uh, it's interesting how you know life is full of seasons, and there's definitely seasons where we become so close to certain people. In other seasons, we're so close to other people. And I think, like, sometimes when, when you're asked this question, of, oh, like, who's a role model in your life? It's easy to be like, well, th- right now it's this person. But then when you really spend a few minutes and look back at just your whole history um, of how you've been developed as a man or woman, there's all these people that stepped alongside you or were involved in, with you. And so I did do that process, and I was struck mm. by it. And so thank you for uh, prompting that. Jason. Yeah. Um, so just quick shout outs. What's funny is that there's three people that immediately jumped out and all three of them are elders. So that's funny. So shout outs to Tim Barley and Jay Scott and Randy White. Mm-hmm. You've all been instrumental in different seasons and areas of my life. And I would not be the uh, cat daddy that I am without you fellas. So, <laughs> so thank <laughs> you guys. Are, hey, those are some straight up dudes right there. Some, yeah. some, some man's men right there. Love those guys. You know, and, my, and for those of you at home listening who haven't done this yet, and you're like, and I'm sure, I think I think most people see the value of it right off the bat. I don't think people are like, that's a waste of your time, right? I mean, I think a strong thing. So, but we still are like, oh, I'll get to that. I'll get to that. It helped me to put those categories in there. I just made a list on my paper. I put I put family, and then um, history, like men throughout like history that are now re- that I've read or heard heard from. Um, contemporary, and then education time, and then 
what else was it? I think ministry or, li- or church life and then current church life. And so that helped me then just to fire away at some men right there, just throw stuff down. So there you go. You got your categories. Yeah. Very and good. and it's easy to send a text. I mean, that's the thing that I need to keep telling myself. A, a really thoughtful text message to one of the guys in those categories in your life that has made a difference as a father figure, that can can take, you know, less than five minutes or or 30 seconds even and could have such a huge impact in just building up that person and letting them know how you feel. So, man, hopefully there's a bunch of texts flying around our church family over yeah. the next couple of days. That's good advice. I think people think, oh, i got to write this long letter, which is great if you do. But a text that you say, hey, I heard this message last Sunday. They challenged us to think through guys. You you came to mind. Thank you so much, man. Love you. Boom. You rock. Text right now. Pause this and text right now. Ooh, that's good. Pause and text. Boom. But make sure you come yeah. back because we got more good stuff. We do. We'll wait. Which, number two... Let's move, keep it moving. People have must have unpaused now and they're back with us. <laughs> so second action step that we got here is to review the six central truths and summary statements from Romans chapters 12 and 13. And then Jason on Sunday, you encouraged us to, as we look at those, give it a little, a little check or circle, like, man, which ones am I really nailing? And then which ones did God kind of bring up? Like, oh man, I really need to look at that more closely and evaluate. So right. uh, I don't know if we need to read all of them, but are there any, as you guys looked at that list that stuck out to you um, either on like a personal heart level or particularly in the midst of current events and circumstances? Like what, what sticks out to you guys? Yeah. Checks and circles. Yeah. So I could start with the, uh, the second statement there that was from Romans 12, nine through 21. And we see that potentially overwhelming list of 31 commands that when we, when we obey or what Jason said, when we, when we put our trust into action, I loved, I loved your definition, definition, Jason. Wow. That was a hard sentence. (laughs) I loved your definition of, of obey is, is trust in action. You said that, right? I did. I did. Yeah. So, so when we put those into practice, the result is we love the people of God and we, we love unbelievers. And one thing too, that I wanted to just build off of that, because it's something that has been super helpful for me in my life. And I'm, it's, it's one of those lessons I'm learning ongoingly, but I tend to have a, a little bit of a rebellious streak and it's hard for me to follow the rules sometimes. Mm. And Sometimes it feels like, yeah, I mean, when I see that word obey, like that part of me, like, you know, it, it wants to resist. Rebel, yeah, resist. it wants to resist. Stick it to the man. Right. And, and so as I, was, as I was listening on Sunday, I was just reminded of, of John chapter 14 and in verse 15, Jesus says, simply, if you, if you love me, keep my commands. And so Jesus, in, in that section, he he connects obedience with, with love. Mm-hmm. And there is a, when we grow in putting our trust in God into action, it's actually a way of, of growing in, in a loving connection to God as well. And so for me to think of it as relational, that God is not, he's not trying to weigh me down with his commandments. He's not trying to box me in or ruin my fun or just control me and, 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 and keep me like, uh, you know, held down. He really wants me to flourish. He wants me to experience 
like satisfaction and joy and purpose in the context of relationship with him. Right. And so when I think about those 31 commands, if I can think of them as, as a, a loving response to, to God and my, you know, me as his, as his son, like walking in that and, and walking in his love, expressing my love to him, that really helps me put it into perspective so that, so that my, it keeps my rebellious, you know, fleshy side at bay. Right. And it's, it's very helpful for me. So that was one, one takeaway for, for me as I circled that back to that. Yeah. And, you know, to just, you know, maybe stretch that out further, the, 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 that's how Jesus in that same passage, John 14, right? So he's, yeah. Where Jesus says, that's how I love my father. So he like says like, this is how I want you to show that you love me, that you're going to, you're going to trust me. You're going to, and I'll see, it won't just be words. It'll be in action. So that's obedience. So that's where I got that trust and, you know in action. Yeah. Uh, and that's how I related to my father. That's how I did. And then he goes on John 15. That's where he talks about abiding. And he says, I want you to abide in me as I abide in my father, stay connected to me. And then he says the two ways that he stayed connected. He loved like God did and he obeyed him. You know, he loved like his father loved and he obeyed his father, which is, I trusted my father. You know, I put, I put um, his words into action. So yeah, that's a great way of looking at it. Yeah, and just to piggyback on that even further, just a little bit. Double piggy. Piggyception. Um, <laughs> you know, the this idea of following rules or not, it can be applied to a lot of different situations. And so I want to give a little shout out to a page on the church website that's called Learning Loving Action. So there's a bunch of resources on that page that are just meant to help a Christian uh, understand and process our role in current circumstances. And there's an article on that page um, by Gary Darnell, and it is about how does a Christian determine getting involved in political causes or not? And even though the article is really focused on political causes, as you read through that, man, it's so applicable to really should a Christian get involved in anything? Should I break this rule or not? There's so many helpful things. And really the question that we need to ask ourselves is will, will joining this cause or will following or breaking this rule support and enhance the reputation and spread of Christ and his gospel or will it not? And I don't know about you, Jason and Dan, but when it comes to rule following, I've asked myself that question a lot, even with like surprisingly mundane and seemingly unimportant rules and it's really surprising to me how frequently when you ask that question, it's a clear answer immediately of like, oh, yep, there's a clear answer. I should or shouldn't do this, even yeah. if it seems like it's totally unimportant. Do you guys ever feel that way? Absolutely. The answer presents itself. Like, here it is. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, yeah, shout out to that that resource page. What is it? What name? It, say it again, Sean. What's the name? It is or called Learning, Loving, and Action. It's right on the homepage at the, on vbc.online. Good. Okay, let's keep it moving, guys. So on Sunday, if you didn't watch, and I forgot to say this, but we always want to encourage you, check out Sunday's message before you mm -hmm. listen to Behold, because we're talking about all these things. It's better if you're informed. But if you happen to miss, it's okay. We'll forgive you. Um, but we had these four different dads share about God's work in their lives as fathers and as leaders of households and ministries and things like that. So uh, they sat in a little chair, an interview chair, and they shared that. And so question number three is if you... If you sat in our interview chair, what would you share about what God is doing in your life right now? Mm. 
You're in the chair, Mr. Moog. I'm in the chair. Well, I'm going to use this opportunity to plug my shape thing. Can I do that? Is that a good time for that? Because Go for it, dude. one of the reasons that it's I think chair. people are like don't can't answer this this quickly. Like I, I want to be a man that you could ask me what God's doing in my life anytime. And you I'm always like, have something to share. Yeah, I'm like, oh, I got here. Here's this week. Here's this day. Here's what I'm seeing this month. If I feel stuck and I can't pinpoint it, then I'm talking to guys like you or people that are involved in my life or my wife and saying, hey, what do you think? What are you seeing? And so I, want, I think I think that we need to develop that practice. But another reason why people aren't quick is they haven't quick to like, oh, what would I say if I was sitting in a chair? They haven't taken time to put together their spiritual story. And we talked about that, I think, the last time I was on the podcast of like some resources or maybe two times ago of resources. So you could probably look at the Behold resource page and... There's resources there on how to put together your spiritual story. So one is you're not dialoguing with people on a regular basis. That's why you don't have a quick answer and, you know, practicing saying what has God done in my life. Two, we haven't spent time to put together and write out our spiritual story. Um, But the third one is we don't know our shape. And what I mean by that, do you guys want to know what I mean by shape? Please. I'm on the edge of my seat. I want to know. I already know you guys know. (laughs) But yeah, I, I talk about um, this concept a lot within our leadership teams, and it's this this idea that God has given us, a, in the same way that God has given us every human being a unique physical shape based off your DNA, if we just kind of think about being born again, like almost like a spiritual DNA, he gives every person in the same way, not only a physical shape he does, a also a spiritual shape. He shapes you for being a source of spiritual blessing to the world and for the missions and the assignments he's given us. And and Dan is shaped differently than me and and um, differently than Sean and so forth and so on. And there's overlap because there are some things that are the same. We're human, and he also gives spiritual gifts that some are the, are the same, but we're all shaped differently. So I want to ask you guys that in, in, in talking through, sorry, talking through the shape uh, Acronym. It's an acronym that I first of all, can I quiz you guys to see if you guys remember it? Yeah. Okay. All right. So, so what I would have people do in our leadership team is I would have them get a notebook out and they would write S H A P E. And <laughs> yeah, we, there's an E at the end. Don't forget yeah. that. And, and we give them all the words to what the acronym is. But then in the notebook, they'd write an S on one page and then flip two pages. And then they'd write an H and then flip two or three pages, then you know whatever they want, an A. So that they're, they're going to now use that in their notebook. Or if you want to use a Word doc of some kind, you're going to use that as an ongoing file for the rest of your life. And so um, this is what it is. S is, Dan, give it to us. I'm going to go with spiritual gifts. Final answer. Boom. Ooh, Nailed it. Bold. So, yeah, spiritual gifts. So God has shaped you by giving uh, you, if you're a follower of Jesus, this is pretty important, a spiritual gift. At least one, we're convinced in Scripture, usually I think a spiritual gift mix that you discover over time. So you would, so that would be something that you could rewatch. Uh, David, is that right, Sean? David taught on that one? Yeah, I think mm-hmm. that was the podcast. Not the podcast, the, the message that David took in, chapters, uh, in chapter 12, 1 through, I think, 8. eight. 1 through 8, yeah. Eight, yeah. Where that's one place in Scripture you can go to, there's a couple other, and he others, and he mentions a couple others. But where they define what is a spiritual gift, why is a spiritual gift used, what's what's the purpose of it, and how do you discover it? And so you'd start making a list of what you think your spiritual gifts are. The best way. Do you guys ever have an answer of like what's the best way to discover a spiritual gift? What do you guys Ask usually people. tell people? What's that? I usually tell them. I usually tell people to ask people who know you and around you in your circle. 
great. They'll give I you love good it. wisdom. That's on my list. We, did I cut you off? Sorry. No. I, mean, I was going to say pray, but I mean, that's kind of implied. So yeah. Continue. Dan, what do you say? Uh, yeah, no, I was going to say, I was going to make a joke like, like, uh, you know, about like a formula. First or, find your Enneagram. Yeah, first, exactly. <laughs> then take the horoscope right. test. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, so yeah, yeah, I mean, that. what I tell people typically is first become familiar with what the spiritual gifts are defined in scripture, where we can we, and read them. Uh, David gave us some of the passages. I mean, that's a great starting point because there's some confusion, I think, about you know, and we're going to talk about this later, but like what, what's the difference between like a, like a, a, like a gift, a spiritual gift and an ability or a talent exactly. or an interest. And scripture does make a distinction between that. And most people, when they, when they, when they interpret those passages, they, inter- they interpret them to be a, a set aside list of, of, of ordained gifts from God for the purpose of building up the church. Yeah. So, so we'll link in the, in the show notes, we'll link David's teaching on spiritual gifts. If you have questions about that distinction, if you want to circle back to it, uh, see what I did there. there. Circle back to it. Yeah. And that's just, and that's a great resource. We have, uh, maybe we can, uh, we can throw some other resources out there because it really is a lifelong ongoing thing. First, I tell people become familiar with what they are in scripture. Second, I tell people find get involved in a faith family because that's where you're going to discover in the context of a faith family is where you get your spiritual gifts affirmed, usually by spiritual leadership, like Sean said, and the people closest around you. And then you just start serving. You start helping out in certain ways where you have placed yourself under the umbrella of care and leadership and accountability so that people can watch you. And then they'll they a good godly church family will affirm you. They will like the leadership will say, "Hey, this is what I'm seeing in you. I think this is your spiritual gift. There's there's fruit that's been that's been um, coming from this this spiritual gift or these spiritual gifts. I think we should test it more and use you more in that. You know, and there's ways you know discovering your passions. A lot of people ask me, should I take a spiritual gift inventory? You guys, you guys know about those? Like we have. We do have those, and if you're interested, we'd happily point you in that direction. I just tell the people most of them are pretty. Um, denominationally biased and so you get a lot you know you get a mix of kind of responses from them i think they're better seen as like a uh a uh what's the word a launching pad for discussion so take an inventory kind of put it together and then you could discuss it with people but anyway that's s h what's h sean uh h's heart but we're not talking about bpms we're talking about the passions god has given you exactly so i when in the acronym uh you've got spiritual gifts we want everybody scripting spiritual gifts then heart is uh, we put exactly heart slash passions there are certain things that sean is passionate about in life some of them are are little and silly and hobbies and fun that i'm just not passionate about and some of them are like Causes and like like we talk about social causes and and political issues and things that he feels really strong about that I feel differently or whatever. Same with Dan. Um, and we want to, you want to be a person that lists all those passions out. You know whether it's uh, um, fighting human trafficking. That's really passionate. I met you know meet someone that's that they're really passionate about that. And another person, sure they care about that, but they have a real heart for the homeless. You know, or on your list of passions should be things like. If you're like into model making or you're into woodworking or whatever things you feel you love reading about, you're into science and you're into, you know, NASA, the latest things from the Hubble telescope, you know, whatever it is, right? You guys, I think Dan might be passionate about music. Is that fair? I think you'd be, you'd be safe to wager that. <laughs> it's it's so, a yeah. close second to football. 
Right. And football. That's a perfect example. Uh, would you say you're passionate about football? You care a lot about it? Yeah, for sure. You can get heat up. Yeah. Sean and I are not. Well, I don't know, right, Sean? Is that fair? I'm not interested in that. I mean, I'll watch a game, but I'm not. I'm not going to get heated about it. But so, but Dan should put that on his list. So I would tell people, you list it. And let me tell you, if you guys are taking this assignment, and you're listening to us right now. A lot of times with the things like that, football, uh, woodworking. Um, I met a guy once who was really he lo- he had been studied prosthetics. He made prosthetics. Wow. And and that was also an ability of his, right? So that was a passion and ability. And that wasn't going to go on his list because he's like, that's weird. I don't really know. Like, you know. How he, is that going to? A lot of times when we're making these lists, yeah, we think about how is God going to use this and this should be a more spiritual thing. Don't think about that. Just write down all the things that, that light you up and get you excited, strong, heated, you know, you enjoy. Well, okay. that's a good segue to number A. Or number a. Yeah. No, letter, letter A. Which is what? Roman it's numeral. A, abilities and uh, also we kind of lump in there your resources your talents your interests yeah so so yeah so that's again you're just listing those things what abilities have you and again we have material to help you kind of ask the questions discover what is an ability an ability is different than than a than a spiritual gift spiritual gifts are just given as dan mentioned to this the when you become a follower of Jesus and you step into the family of God with a regenerated heart, forgiven heart, that's a gift that he gives you. Everybody he gives on the planet a get abilities, things that they can do, mathematics and dance and all sorts of things and resources. Sean has certain resources that he has access to that I don't, you know, and that's just how God God is kind to give don't us. Don't you so. forget it. Yeah, right. So you list all those. So you got you got your abilities, and that's an ongoing list. Okay, what's the next one? Here's where we get into the Enneagram. Uh-oh. Your personality. The P is personality. Yeah. And I won't say much about that. I'll just say I think you stay away from the temptation to write um, introverted or extroverted. I think people like sum up all of personalities based off of the, like, kind of, and that's a mistake. You know, there's such a broad thing, and we have some reading you can do or you can do your own just about how you're wired. There's a lot of things you can put in there in terms of your personality, but you make some notes and you list your things about your personality. And just a side quick thing, God wants every person to have the um, exact same character, and that's the character of Christ. But he wants us all to have different personalities. We all are wired differently. And so that's the beauty of it. We're looking for the same character, but all sorts of different expressions of personality. Yeah. Just just to piggyback on that, you know, I think that most people, most humans grow up and for, for however long, but the first part of their life, I don't think that we spend very long time thinking about what our personality is. Why are we work the way we work? Yeah. And I think a lot of people have kind of a transition in their lives where they, they it hits them and they start thinking, oh man, there's there's reasons why I act the way I act or mm. why I respond to this certain situation in this way that surprised me or, or whatever it is. And so I just want to encourage anybody listening, if you don't really know that about yourself, that's totally okay. I think that a lot of us start that way too. Yep. But that's such a powerful resource for you to A, better understand yourself and why you respond to certain things in certain ways, but also then to grow through those things. Mm-hmm. And God can use that to grow you so much, just being able to, to sit down and in a humble and not a prideful way, just think to yourself, man, why why am I the way I am? And what areas can I grow in? So personality, yep. So good. Um, so I encourage you guys to do that, write that out. And that's an ongoing thing because we're discovering as we go through life and maturing and being sanctified, how that our personalities are shaped in, in, yeah, like Sean's saying. So write that out. Next one, last one, 
P is, what's the E? Experiences. What have you gone through in your life? Yep. So E stands for experiences. So S was spiritual gifts, H, heart and passions, A, abilities and resources, P is personality, and then now we've got E, experiences. And that's just taking time to write out. And I and I ask people to really think through, maybe um, in our training, we ha- with, when I do this with people, is I have them write out like um, time spans of life. So like zero to five, you know, five to 10, then your teenage years, you know, and things like that. And you write down some of the experiences and really just kind of like bullet point, good, the bad, the ugly. You know, I experienced this, I experienced this, you know, some people lived overseas, some people went through divorce, some people, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, you write it out. Now, listen, most people don't take the time to do this. And I'm telling you, we've done this in the the years that I served in, in South Africa, um, all those years this was part of that training, in the years that I've served at this ministry, and then the, uh, you know, our church ministries here and, and in small groups and young adults, those people that take the time to do this and they've got their little folder or their little Word doc and it's an ongoing file, they get a growing sense of kind of how God has shaped them. And they become quicker to offer that to the community. They, have, they know what to put their time to and what stuff to say no to. And it is a marked difference. And everybody I, I share this with usually says, oh, yeah, they, or they think that's a good thing to do, but they don't take the time to do it. And I notice the difference. Absolutely. And one of the things, too, that just is a helpful starting point for us is just to remember and, and to keep going throughout the process of, of learning your shape is is the, the, the point of, of God, you know, giving us a design, the reason he didn't make us all the same way is because he he he's designed us to live in community as believers and there's there's a building up that should happen if you look at Ephesians 4 there's a there's a way that the church is supposed to build itself up in love by serving each other and using these different gifts and so each of as you're going through each of these these letters and and making those lists the the goal is so that we can we can draw a straight line, you know, between our abilities and our spiritual gifts, between our passions and our spiritual gifts, you, you know? Yep. And, and, and why does God want us to do that? Why does he want us to be built up in love so that we can be his ambassadors in the world so that we can participate in his kingdom going forward and advancing and more people coming into to faith. So yeah. sometimes it, when we go through this process, it, it can, it can make us think of ourselves too much and we got to we got to make sure to keep that outward focus as we're going through this. The reason we're discovering this stuff is so that we can make a difference in our church and in our world. Exactly. And you know, I should say that um, I do encourage people to do the list and to make this little folder. And I do it um, from time to time. I adjust it and look at it, relook at it. It helps me to actually hold the piece of papers or to hold the document and to say, God. It's basically I, you offer your shape to Him. So I'll, every now and then I'll pray and say, God, use me this season, this year. Here's my. This is what I think my spiritual shape is. I'm offering it to you. I don't know how you're going to use my passion for Legos <laughs> or whatever, you know. But I'm just offering. I've written it all out. If you can, and then he does. You know, I should bring back the story about the guy with the prosthetic thing. Uh, he was passionate about that stuff. And then uh, in a small group, the uh, a husband and wife went to uh, a place that had been in in Africa that had just been. Um, just wrecked from a lot of internal wars and civil wars. And a lot of the people in that church had missing limbs. 
and they were looking for a person to come over and like, hey, do you know anybody that could help us with that? We had they had a lot of old prosthetics and how are they going to make them work and fit for different things. And so, man, he's like, I was born for this. This That's is what I've been waiting amazing. for. Yeah. So you know, whatever it is, you know, you meet someone who's passionate about cycling, and then you know, you can introduce. I meet someone at church. I'm not, but I can say, oh, have you talked to so and so? And you make some connections that way. So you just offer it. You don't have to do the list. I don't want to make it a legal-based thing. But I am saying that a lot of the people that seem to have the sense of, like, how they're shaped and a quick ability to offer, say no to certain things and yes to to other things, um, they either have done something like this or they have internally processed things like this, you know, either written it out or so. We encourage you to do it. It's so great. And and just as we have been wrapping up chapters 12 and 13, there— the more that we understand our shape, the more we were able to to use our our gifts to benefit the body of Christ. The more we're able to grow in real Christian love. The more we're able to, uh, in responding to God's mercy, you know, ha- have a certain uh, you know reputation in the world when it comes to authorities and unbelievers. And I mean, it 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 really does these things that we've been covering the last few weeks, they really flow from the inside out. And so much of life is, is just about, it's not about what you do, but it's about who you are and and who God's making you to be. And so, yeah, I think, I think it's a really important conversation to have as we're, as we're debriefing uh, chapters 12 and 13. Yeah. Thank you for sharing, Jason. <clears throat> Very roundabout way of not answering what you would say if you were in the chair, but it's okay. Nah. I'll accept it. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> But wow. we encourage everyone listening to do this process so that you could answer in that chair if you were asked to do so. It's really funny. Exactly. I forgot that that was the original question. And I really just really funny. wanted to talk. That about was the like shape some. Uh, that was like some some pastor Jedi mind trick or something right there. I would right. sit in the chair and say, you know, God's been showing me the beauty of this acronym lately, and it's then amazing. I would go through, I would go through the acronym again. It's a Jedi. It's a yeah. Jedi mind it's, trick. It's, it's a good. It's a good save. It's a good save. Uh, so a little bit fun here for number four. I'm going to read it, but actually we're going to ask for this to be a bit of an interactive thing. So here's number four on those five action steps. Thinking about the testimonies from our dads today, what challenged you the most? You know, we're hoping that most people listening watch those dads' testimonies, um, but whether you did or didn't, what we'd like is, A, if you didn't, go watch them. They're on BBC.online. You can go watch them and uh, take notes and pray through things they say. But then we'd like to hear from you guys. We want to know how this is impacting you. So out of those dads, the ones that shared, what challenged you personally the most? You can go ahead and go to our show notes and there's a button right there for contacting us. And we'd love to receive those from you and maybe even share them next week on the podcast. What do you guys think of that? I think that's great. And those dads would be encouraged to know that I got texts from people about how they were encouraged by our dads and I forwarded them to the dads and I know it's encouraging. So It'd be great too if, if you have the technical ability or if you're be so bold to record a just a voice memo of how how those dads uh, inspired you, challenged you, and we'll play that on the show if if you're so willing. If you mm. have the technology, <laughs> yeah, if you need help, you can you can text me or Dan, and we can help you do that because we would love. We'll that. be your tech support. Yep. Okay, and then maybe we can just end here with number five on the action steps, which says read Romans chapter 14, which is what we're going to be heading into here, and think critically. Identify some themes and write down your thoughts and questions. 
And so we're going to do that. We're not going to read all of 14, but we're going to read that first chunk, which is going to be taught uh, this coming Sunday. So, Mr. Gillette, take it away. Okay. Please stand for the reading of the Lord, if you can. Okay. This is the word of the Lord, chapter 14. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but do not quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God. While the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then, each of us will give an account of himself to God. Amen. So so maybe we should talk about just... Some some themes or some thoughts or some questions, some initial observations. What jumped out to you guys as I was reading that? Yeah, the first thing that just strikes me is just this sense of humility that we are to have, you know, of of how how dare you judge and question your brothers when the God himself has welcomed them. Like it just puts in perspective what our stance and our heart should be. And really I think it serves as a warning because it's so easy in today's climate and things going on right now to really get in the weeds of disagreement and of judgment because of beliefs and, and actions. And it's just humbling to be reminded, hey, we're, that's, not our, that's not our domain. It's not our responsibility in this context. God has welcomed them. God is their master and Lord, and, and he can handle those things. And we don't need to be so, uh, so invested in taking like personal ownership over correcting people, you know? That's fantastic. And, and, Paul gives us some examples of what that might look like, you know, some, some specific uh, situations with, you know, the food or the day. And what I love about, or what's an important distinction to make is he's talking about things that are secondary in nature. They're, they're things that we can develop convictions about, but they're based on, on wisdom and conscience. They're not matters of first importance. They're not essential doctrines about, about God, right? So if, so if our brother, let's say, uh, disagreed on something super critical like the deity of Christ, 
right? If we had a brother who claimed to be a Christian, but they were denying that the Jesus is God, well, then that would be something that, that we, we would pass judgment on. Am I right, fellas? Yeah, or even like sin issues. Like if you had a brother you cared about and he's struggling with pornography, of course, it's your responsibility to help him and call him out on that. Um, but on other issues, like you said, Dan, the non-essentials, for example, here's a hot one right now, whether or not we should be gathering together as a church. Very split opinions about that. And that's exactly this kind of thing. If we should not be taking this on ourselves to pass judgment when God is welcoming our people in this way. Yeah, I think there's so so that's an important distinction to make, you know, I mean masks versus not masks or you know whatever or, or even like a classic one you, what's that? Said vegan versus not vegan. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so so I I love but but just back to your original point just the the humility it, it's okay to have your own convictions but just to to not um to not like force those on somebody else when it's a, when it's a matter of a, a secondary matter. Well, like you just said, it's okay to have your own convictions. And so you need to understand it's okay for someone else to have their own convictions. There too. you go. There you go. Jason. Yeah, no. And, and I, I struck with how timely it is, right. With all that we're going through brilliant one. Mm-hmm. And then two, the, the idea that um, I remember teaching this passage, like, I don't know, three or four years ago, we were in the section and, and just the idea that it doesn't say, um, just stop having opinions or just stop having convictions. It says, take a stand, take, definitely take a stand. You need to, you need to know where you stand with things, but, but be wise in how you do it and don't let it, um, be a relational destroyer, right? That's ultimately what this is saying. And, and I, and those are the things I'm going to be listening to him for in the next like several weeks as we're going through this is, uh, what, uh, you know, how can I do that? How can I do that practically? Because I think it'll clarify for us. The one of the things I wrote down or I would write down about, you know, how can I prepare is that whole concept of judging, you know, and because and, and, it's like sometimes we're in passages where it says we are to judge our brother and sister. Sometimes it says, doesn't seem like, oh, we're, don't judge them. And I think a great good thing, just a little plug because for that, guys, as you prepare it, it, and people listening, we're to make judgment calls. You're constantly a wise man and woman who needs to be faithful to the word of God has constantly making judgment calls. You're looking at the facts in front of you, the situations, the actions of others, the people in your circle, and you've got to make a judgment call on what's best for them, what you think is best for you, what's how, what honors God. You're constantly making judgment calls. But we can do that and make wise choices still when honoring people and not judging their heart. So it's like that's where we cross the line where we can't look into the mind and the heart of an individual. That's God's job. And we don't determine their eternal their their current spiritual state or their eternal destination. And that's where we cross the line and when we begin to treat people poorly when we disagree with them. And so um, take a stand. Have your thoughts and opinions, but don't do it at the sake of um, sacrificing relationships. Make judgment calls that are based off of the situations in front of you, but not judging someone's heart. So, yeah. And all of it, you know, he, he goes into, um, you know, verse seven, eight and nine is just under the, the theme of, of, of the Lord's headship that we, we're not living in a vacuum and we're not living for ourselves that we, we ultimately are responsible to, to the Lord of all who is, who is judge, who is a righteous holy and perfect judge. Amen. And so at the end of the day, he's going to sort all of it out. It's not up to us to go around and make sure everybody's doing the right thing. 
you know, when it comes to these secondary issues, like I, I just love how it ends. Like, man, we're each going to stand before the judgment seat of God and, and give an account for the way we lived and the convictions we developed. And that to me puts things in perspective. It's not about it. It's not about, um, this infighting between us, you know, like you said, Jason, these things can be a relationship killer. And I think that is a, a symptom of, of being hyper-focused on, on a human level, mm-hmm. as opposed to, to zooming out and saying, man, I'm doing all of this stuff because Jesus is Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jason, I appreciate what you said about just, just taking a stand, but not mm-hmm. at the cost of love. And sometimes I think this like phrase to myself, um, which is kind of stupid and corny, but I say this to myself all the time in situations where the things like this are kind of coming up. I say, Sean, strive to be good at disagreements. And when I say that, I don't mean to say strive to win disagreements or strive mm-hmm. to be better than the other person, but strive to be someone who is okay taking a stand and disagreeing and not sacrificing love in that way or not, not holding a grudge against that person or, or throwing a fit if they don't agree with me or whatever it is. As Christians, you know, we see, we've seen all throughout Romans, we want to live at peace with people. We want to be people who represent Christ's love, even in the midst of those situations. So if you're listening, uh, it's okay. It's okay to not be good at disagreements yet. Hmm. But I think for all of us, uh, man, woman, no matter what your shape is that God has made you to be, all of us, if we believe that we're going to be for the our, the entirety of our lives made more and more like Christ, then we also need to accept and understand, subscribe to that. We should be getting better and better at doing this, at, at loving in the midst of and before and after disagreements. Do you guys agree? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm just thinking as you're talking, would I, if someone asked me, would you ever take a stand that would result in the causing a riff or an end of a relationship because you took a stand. And and I would say, yes, absolutely. I actually have had to do that before. The, there are certain things that we take a stance that, that the, the consequences seem to end the relationship or divide a relationship. But I think those are very rare. I think those, I think most things that we face in life, I think people's attitudes can be like, oh, that's going to end the relationship. And it does not have to end the relationship. I think we, we make relationships we put those above our a lot of times the relationship over the conviction and and that should be the case. There should be very few th- things where we need to stand so strong on that it ends the relationship. And I think that'll be made clear in Romans fourteen. Man, I can't wait. I, I'm this this really uh, wet my appetite for for next Sunday. So uh, hopefully everyone else is will be tracking with us and we we got a little bit of a head start on it. Good. Absolutely. I think that. We have a lot to work on. <laughs> we got we got plenty of things to go on here. <laughs> so again, always those of you who are listening, um, you know, we spend this time every week talking on this podcast, and we hope that you spend this time every week listening to whoever's on, uh, because you want to be working to behold Christ in our lives. That's that's what it is. And so don't let it stop here. Take these action steps and do that Romans twelve process of renewing your mind on truth. And maybe spend some time thinking about your shape that God's made you to be and is growing you. And in that way, you, we trust that you'll be better prepared and better equipped to receive what's going to be spoken on Sunday from Romans 14 in a way that will better equip you and allow you to utilize that for growth. Any last words of wisdom, Dan or Jason? I don't know about wisdom, just encouragement. Pr- uh, proud to be a part of the faith family with you guys and with all of you who are listening. And if you're listening and you don't feel like you're a part of this faith family, 
hey, we welcome you right now. There's no membership. We just come come worship with us and enjoy time with us and learning and growing together. We'd love to have you be a part of this faith family. Love you guys. Ditto. Well said. All right, guys. Thanks again for joining us, and uh, we hope to be with you again next week. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe for future episodes of Behold. If you would like more information about Valley Bible Church, or if you'd like resources from this episode, go ahead and check out vbc.online forward slash behold. Catch you guys next week.